Hi everyone, this is Cloud Conversations, the Microsoft 365 podcast stroke YouTube show that you didn't know that you need, but you definitely do. And just when you think that you've got all the answers, we come right along and change all the questions. I'm Peter Rising, Microsoft MVP, and I'm here today with my good friend, my hairy companion, Mr. Rue Campbell. How are you today, Rue? I'm good, Pete. I'm good, Pete. Feeling very hairy today. So just kind of, <laughs> but yeah, all good here. And obviously today uh, on episode eight, we are joined by uh, Jan Backer. Uh, Jan is an independent cloud consultant and also a Microsoft MVP uh, based in the Netherlands, which I think makes our third guest from the Netherlands. Something going on in the Netherlands. You guys are just killing mm. it with all the engine stuff. <laughs> uh, Jan has been in the IT world for over a decade. Uh, and specializes specifically in Microsoft 365, areas such as security, Azure AD, and the Power Platform. Uh, he blogs at janbacker.tech uh, and is also active, like all our guests, on Twitter and LinkedIn. We can find him uh, just by searching for Jan Backer. So thanks for joining us, Jan. Thanks, guys. And um, well, let's start off with a compliment to you because I am a, a fan of this podcast. I am a... Yeah. Uh, a from the first hour and it's Thank just you. an honor to be on here uh, with you so thanks for having me awesome great no glad glad you like it i mean we've kind of said the same thing with all the guests we've had on in so far as we're just really winging it you know we'll see how it goes it's going to have its imperfections and things but the main theme of the show really and i think peter hit on it when he did his introduction a few episodes ago was just that if you're in our little neck of the woods, if you're into cloud computing, specifically the Microsoft stuff, we want to talk to folks and we kind of want to talk to everyone, <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of experience out there uh, mm. and it's good to pick folks' brains on it. So yeah. I guess uh, just to kind of kick us off then, uh, can you just kind of give yourself, uh, I've introduced you obviously, but can you just tell folks uh, a little bit more about yourself uh, and what you kind of uh, like sharing with the community? Yeah. Well, uh, as you uh, as I, as you briefly introduced me, I am uh, Jan Bakker. I'm I'm 32 years old, and I live in the Netherlands. And I'm in, uh, I'm an independent uh, cloud consultant uh, focused on the Microsoft 365 stack, um, with a little more focus to identity, security, and compliance. But I am also uh, working with uh, Endpoint Manager, so Intune stuff, the modern workplace as a whole. And uh, I'm indeed a Microsoft MVP, which I'm really proud of and honored. And I like sharing uh, with the community, and uh, I mostly do that by uh, uh, writing on my website. Uh, but lately, I'm also trying to do a little bit more speaking. Mm. How, how are you? How, how are you finding the speaking? Because uh, it's something I've started to kind of dip my toes in as well, uh, and it's obviously very different doing it online than in person. But how are you finding that? Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, I I. I rather stay on stage, like real life in-person events. But on the other hand, to start with speaking, uh, maybe online is a little uh, better because you can somehow hide be be behind your camera and become behind your screen. So it's it's less frightening uh, to just go out there and start speaking. So uh, it's different. It's it's a little bit hard to get used to, but uh, uh, it helped me uh, to to get on stage and get used to uh, speaking uh, in public. Awesome. Good stuff. Because I think some conferences are starting to open up and go in person. Uh, I think in the UK anyways, at South Coast Summit, Pete can keep me mm. right here. He's the resident yes. uh, public speaker. So, uh, you know, there'll be 
it'll be exciting, I guess, when we can finally actually start seeing folks in person because uh, it's just going to be so much better, you know, building Agreed. relationships Absolutely. in person. Uh, yeah. So I guess, you know, just uh, before we before I start picking your brains on all the technical stuff, because you've done a lot of cool stuff with the power platform and things that I want to talk to you about. Uh, but one of the things we mentioned when we opened the show was that you're an independent consultant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that is quite uh, certainly interesting to me insofar as, you know, working on your own, being self-employed and independent. That just seems quite a, quite a risk insofar as you don't have an established company uh, behind you. How did you decide to make that move and how are you finding it? I agree. It's a risk. Uh, I'm honest. It's also kind of scary. Uh, I'm just. I just started as an independent consultant this year, so uh, I'm fresh. But it's something that I always wanted to do. Uh, and um, and then I thought, okay, uh, I was working from home for almost a year, and I said, I said to myself, if I'm not going to do it right now, I'm probably not going to do it uh, ever again. So mm. I uh, I said why not try it because if you don't try it you cannot experience whether it's uh, it's something that you're good at or something that you like uh, so mm. far so good um, but yeah it's a bit risky but I think um, if you have confidence in yourself and and you keep current also with the um, with all the knowledge uh, so th- th- yeah then it's a little less risky um, um, but yeah. It's uh, it as I as I said, so far so good. No. But, uh, I have confidence for the for the future because there is a lot of work uh, in this area, mm. and um, I'm I'm not alone. Uh, uh, I have the whole community around me. So basically, that is my employee, which I can fall back to, which I can ask <laughs> questions. <laughs> because I'm yeah. I can also uh, get stuck in things, but then luckily there's the uh, there's the, comp- the 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 whole community uh, that can help me. So true. I love that answer. I applaud your tenacity, Jan. It's it's so so impressive to see what you're doing, and uh, I absolutely think you're right in saying that. If if not now, then when you, you strike where all the iron's hot, do it when you uh, when you, when you feel like it's, it's the best opportunity. And absolutely superb. I personally don't know if I could ever take that leap. It's not something I think that I could do. I know a few independent consultants out there. Um, Chirag Patel in the UK, for example, he's been doing it for quite some time and he he says it's excellent. He would never look back. So um, horses for courses, but my hat's off to you. I think it's wonderful. Um, you. And as you say, you've got that community to, to fall back on um, and what a wonderful community it is. It's, it's, it's the best the best there is and so many great people out there who are generous with their time and uh, and that's how the three of us really get to know each other uh, well Rue and I through work primarily but but we're now both part of the community but we, we meet so many people that we never would have come across because of this common interest and uh, and career choice that we that we've made of m365 true because yeah. um, uh, back then you have to go to all these dusty books and get into <laughs> the knowledge and and uh, but now there's so much that you can learn by just watching uh, videos on YouTube, for example, or reading blog mm. posts of just having one-on-one chats with uh, with other colleagues all around the world. And and yeah. just like we are doing some, some brain picking. So how do, how do you look at things? How do you do that? And, and you can learn mm. from each other. So there's so much knowledge just for free, basically. Mm. So yeah. yeah, that makes it easy. I think that's how you and I first got in touch, actually, Jan, isn't it? I think you commented on one of my blogs. I can't quite remember which one it was now, but I think you found it useful or... Or, yeah. um, and then asked me to expand on it. It was one of the practical 365 ones. Yeah, it was, I believe it was about information protection. Uh, oh, and I, I was not that experienced. Levels. 
Yeah, sensitivity, indeed. So I was not experienced in that uh, area uh, uh, a lot. And then I, I read your, your blog post about it and it makes me so much clearer to understand how it's how it's building up and how you can use it. So uh, yeah, I believe that's uh, how we start uh, uh, chatting, indeed. Ah, awesome, awesome. That's cool, I love it. It's Azure Information Protection bringing people together. There's a... <laughs> that's, that's a great slogan. <laughs> that's a great slogan, yeah. No, but it's so true. I mean, I've commented on this before, but I really, I'd, I'd, prior to uh, the beginning of last year, when I really went all in on 365, I'd, kind of played the jack of all trades and I even did some elements that were completely away from Microsoft 365 ERP systems and things like that, like dynamics. But it's kind of incredible that the amount of stuff, like you said, that is just out there for free and how if you just put the time into it, you can really, you can go from being absolutely zero information to really knowing an absolute ton of stuff just if you put the time in because it's all out there. Mm -hmm. It's just a case of finding it. And the other thing that always amazes me is the Microsoft documentation is better than it's ever been, in my opinion, thanks to the kind of way it's done through GitHub, constant mm -hmm. feedback and improvements. But it's just how much time folks will then take out of their normal day lives and then put it into translating it and making it easier to understand. Because the Microsoft documentation, you know, it's scattered about and it's in a million different places. It's very formal. And then folk will just blog and translate that into real world scenarios. It kind of, kind of mind-boggling when you think about it, and I don't know how many, outside of technology, I don't know how many industries there are do that. I mean, does that happen in law? Does that happen in accounting? Maybe it does. I don't know. But it seems to just be kind of something special that we've got here. Mm. Uh, yeah, so anyway, that's, 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 the, that's the kind of uh, praising of the community out the way. <laughs> out the way. Yeah, no, I, I really love that. That was awesome. Yeah, and just thinking a wee bit more about the... Uh, how you mentioned making that jump to the independent consultant. Mm -hmm. How did you kind of like, was it, you, you mentioned it was something you'd always done and then you've said, well, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. Is that just a case of, you know, the world is going all in on cloud computing and it's a good opportunity to get involved in it? Or was there something else kind of, uh, that, what was the actual straw that broke the camel's back and you said, right, I'm doing it right now? Yeah, well, it was mainly because of uh, because of COVID, but be also because of a lot of people were telling me, "You're you're independent, right? You're an independent consultant." And I said, "No, uh, I'm not." And more and more people start saying it. So, Do I look mm. like one? Uh, why are you <laughs> saying mm. that? And um, and then I I start realizing maybe this is something that I really really want uh, to get the freedom uh, uh, to pick my own uh, customers and the, and the work that I actually like, and also. Um, making a sidestep to maybe uh, training, for example. And if mm -hmm. you want to become a trainer uh, and you uh, you're employed, you gotta uh, go to this company that that only does training, for example. And there are not that many companies that you can both do consultancy and training uh, in the both uh, uh, in both one employer. So that that got me thinking. If I uh, want to go that way, and I'm not quite sure if I'm going that direction, but I'm thinking about it, then I can I have to make I have to be possible to make my own decisions what way to go. And if one year I want to be doing consultancy and the next year, because the market asks for it, I want to do training, then I'm free to go because I can decide on my own. And um, um, so it was always something uh, that I wanted, but uh, COVID, uh, COVID did it uh, eventually because I, because I said to myself, well, I'm working from home now for almost a year. Uh, I think I can do this on my own now. 
it was like an internship for the for the bigger work. Right, that's mm. cool. And I get you know when you, when you think about the the slant between maybe the more technical involvement and in running projects and then training folks up on that. It's like, do you do you find yourself uh, enjoying teaching folks and, and training and all that kind of stuff? Is that something that you like doing? Yeah, yeah, I always, always like doing training. And whether it's like uh, official training courses or just a one-on-one -on -one, uh, video call and, and walk you through the Azure portal explaining stuff, if the other person enjoys it and appreciates it, it gives me, it gives me pleasure. Uh, and uh, it's really satisfying to, to bring over your knowledge because uh, you can write it down, um, um, but then the other person uh, yeah, needs to read it that way, like you said it. And by, just by talking to the other person, uh, you, you really got the understanding that they, that they got it. Uh, so bringing it in person is so much better. And you get instant response like, okay, mm. I didn't know, I did not know that. So thank you for, for teaching me that. And that's, that's great. Mm. Yeah. And how are you finding your customers? Uh, because you're your own boss. You are the, you are a company of one at the moment. So you are the, uh, the, the consultant, the architect, the expert, shall we say, uh, but you're also, uh, the salesperson, you're out there generating your own leads and uh, responsible for your taxes and your accounts. And how are you finding that aspect of it, having wearing all of those different hats so far? Is that is that a challenge? Well, you can you can delegate some of the uh, uh, the boring stuff, like financial stuff. Uh, so I, I do that. And um, <laughs> in in case of uh, uh, new opportunities, right now at the moment there are a lot of opportunities. So customers are finding me instead of that I have mm. to finding these customers. But Excellent. it can be different in two years, I understand. Mm. And um, well, if it, if, if way in the future, it's tougher to get uh, to get that uh, client. Well, uh, maybe I regret it after that, but, but now uh, uh, there are so much opportunities and uh, I have to say no every day uh, at, this, at this moment. So I, ca awesome. I can't, can't get any more <laughs> work in this uh, in this week mm. because I always well, uh, I also want to uh, spend time with my family. Yeah, uh, but there is there's a lot of opportunities right now, especially in the uh, Microsoft Cloud. Uh, yeah. uh, and that's not surprising. And that's a lovely position to to be in. And and how are these customers finding you? Is it through social media, through LinkedIn, yeah, Twitter, mostly, particularly? Mostly LinkedIn and uh, social media. Yeah. And they, uh, they email me, uh, said, hey, I read your blog post. Uh, can you help me with that? Can you help me with this? Mm. So it's really easy. It's, it's a luxury uh, position uh, I'm in right now. And I'm really, I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it sounds like a great position you're in insofar as, you know, being able to where you're in a position where, uh, what would you say, the, uh, your supply is currently in favor of your demand insofar as, you're having to say no every day. That's a good place to be. Mm. Uh, and I don't, you, you say that I, uh, you know, you, you're expressing your, that you're, you feel fortunate and things like that. But I think it's always important uh, that there's no, that there's not a whole bunch of luck involved here. You know, you've put the work in and you've established mm. yourself as someone that's, 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 that's there and available and the timing is good, but it's all on you and it's all thanks to the work you've put in. Completely. Uh, yep. And a bit of luck. Also, <laughs> fair enough. See, this is I I I have this discussion with folk all the time. It feels like, but I don't know how much luck plays into it. It's uh, there was that quote. It was I can't remember. It was some baseball player or something like that said. It's funny how the harder I work, the luckier I get. 
you know what I mean? That's kind of how I look at it. So, yeah. well, uh, luck or, or destiny, um, because if you think about how I end up in IT, um, then if do you guys you guys have that as well if there's there's one moment in time that you think back and you say okay if that didn't happen i wouldn't be where i am at today and i have oh, the exact same thing because um i'm not proud at it but uh, i dropped out of high school um because i didn't know what to do hmm. i finished my i finished my first degree in high school but then i i didn't know what to do and um i i i, I thought by myself okay I'm just gonna stay in high school and do another a higher degree. Uh, and um, but then I got so um, demotivated. And, um, and 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 one day this teacher said, "Jan, what are you doing here in this class? You're you're a mess." As I, I, and I, I looked to myself. I, I said, "You're right. I have to go." And I stepped up and I, I left high school and I start working. But in that small period, in that small period uh, at school, I met my uh, girlfriend, which is now my wife, mm-hmm. and she had a brother who was in IT. And we were chatting about it, and I said, "Okay, what is this IT like? Is it good? Is it making good money? Uh, do you have a lot of uh, schoolwork to do after after <laughs> school?" And he said, "No, no, no. It's 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 cool. You can work with computers, and it's uh, well, it's the future, uh, Jan. You should try it." We said, oh, "Well, okay, let's try it." And that's how I ended up in IT, which is also a love story because no. if if I didn't, um, there were a couple of months that I was uh, in, in school and then I met my girlfriend because I, if I went on doing something different, then I wouldn't be here today, I guess. So What an amazing story. I love that so much. And the amount of times we have conversations with our guests and it's, it's very similar stories. It's quite often unintended, accidental chance meetings. And maybe it is fate and destiny. Who knows in the, in the grand scheme of things. But myself, I mean, I met my wife at work. I, if, if I wasn't cool. working at a particular company at a particular time, we would never have met. So, um, yeah, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Love it. Yeah, More power it to funny. you. Yeah, it's so cool. Well, first of all, that's an amazing story. But it mm. is so cool how you can look back and there's just one tiny little decision you make and then boom, mm. it's butterfly effect or whatever it's called. Yeah, cause and effect. Butterfly yeah, effect. love it. Cool. So I guess if, if shift gears uh, a little bit and I kind of uh, want to talk about some of the stuff that you blog about and your, your specific areas of kind of technical interest and one of the cool things that you feature in your blog is this really kind of extensive series on the Microsoft Secure Score. Uh, where did the idea come for you to start turning that into a series? And then I guess also how do you recommend folks start implementing that Secure Score? Because um, there's a lot to address there uh, and where's the best place to start? I'm, I'm well. I'm not sure how I started thinking about it as a series, but um, I think the series um, sort of evolved when I started uh, writing. Uh, I started my website in early 2019, and to be honest, I had I needed some stuff to put out there. To uh, it, 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 it hadn't be a, uh, a website with just one article. I needed some uh, some articles to put on there. So I was um, I was seeing the secure score, and I didn't know that uh, then quite well, and I found it very undervalued. So I sh- I thought, okay, people should know about this because um, just writing about it uh, is helpful, but just taking these recommendations that Microsoft puts there for you is already really easy. 
because I have a lot of customers that ask, okay, I should do something with security and compliance and data protection, but where do I start? Mm. Where's the low-hanging fruit? And I think the secure score series is basically low-hanging fruit, what you can start with. So enabling MFA, enabling self-service parser reset, uh, start using conditional access, all those, mm. uh, those kind of things. So that's how it started. And it, it's actually... Uh, my advice, if you don't know where to start, start with working on your secure score and uh, not because it's just a game uh, to, uh, to to get a high score, but to get you started in security and making your uh, tenant more secure. Nice one. Awesome. And I guess, you know, when there, there's so much you can do now to secure Microsoft 365, even compared to just a few years ago, mm-hmm. and there's the stuff that, that's obvious like MFA and conditional access, mm-hmm. but it's so hard to keep up with even within those the improvements and things that are coming mm. i guess you know what's the what are the main things so if someone's looking for quick wins what should they go away and do in 365 well um the, the quick wins are obviously in in identity security because the key of all your data is in identities so at the end uh, if you don't protect your identities as well, uh, you can protect your data, you pr- can protect your applications, your devices, but at the end, identity is the new parameter, as we always say. So yep. you should start with your identity uh, if you haven't started with all the other rest, uh, because that's that's basically where you should start. And it's already hard enough to start with identity protection mm. uh, because the devil is in the details with the, with identity protection. You say, okay, I, I, I can put on Azure mm. MFA, but you could, there's so much that you have to think about uh, and all these little details that makes, uh, well, can, you can make it or break it also for your end users uh, mm. by a, a, a crappy implementation of Azure MFA and all your users uh, start uh, uh, like, okay, what, what is this? Uh, why do I need to prompt the MFA uh, four times a day? What is this? Uh, so you, re, uh, you need to be really careful with that. Um, so, so to answer your question, start with identity. It's really important to do it right absolutely and for a time now quite a while now microsoft have been um pushing out new microsoft 365 tenants with the security defaults in place which um which is which is a good starting point to a point i think they're also a little bit of a sledgehammer approach because it's all or nothing and um i i generally try and get those off as quickly as possible if my customer has um premium p1 and can do conditional access so what, what do you think of the, of the security defaults good good thing bad thing or in between <laughs> Well, it depends, uh, mm, as, uh, as a good consultant should say. But um, <laughs> it needs, uh, you need some, some uh, considerations because it's true, it's uh, all or nothing, uh, which is a good thing in uh, one point because you cannot make mistakes in configuration because if you have to uh, configure conditional access, there can be quite some gaps uh, and that you don't know. And when you put on security defaults, it's just locking those front door, locking those back door, and nobody can get in with legacy authentication. Everybody needs uh, to do MFA where necessary. Mm. And the bad thing is that you can have only one, uh, you can only use Microsoft Authenticator and you cannot make exclusions. And so for most companies, I would say nine, nine out of 10, mm. that's just not working. They need exclusions for service accounts, for all kinds of legacy stuff. So um, I would say security defaults, it's fine if you don't have anything else in, in position like conditional access or some mm. measurements, but start with conditional access but because it's it's more granular and it gives you so much uh, more uh, that you can work with it makes it a little bit harder um, but security defaults 
in my opinion, it's just for smaller companies who don't care about security and say, okay, if I put this on, will my identity be secure? And you can say, yes, your identity will be secure. And that's it. But for the, the customers that I work with, uh, security default is not an option. But it's good yeah. that Microsoft puts it there because it's mm. really easy. It's just one switch, bam, and you're secure. Yeah, well, I think it's the idea that, I mean, maybe several years ago, by default, Office 365 was completely open and really not that secure at the identity perimeter anyway. Whereas now they've changed that and says, well, now we're, we're definitely secure because we're using these baselines, but there's a little bit less uh, intricacy and finesse around it. And that's when you need to start removing them because con conditional access and multi-factor authentication, you know, uh, MFA prompt fatigue is a real thing. And so far as if you're asking your users to MFA five, six, seven times a day, they just phase out and they'll just, yes, approve, 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 mm -hmm. approve, or they'll just hate the IT department. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so you have to, be, I do think that, and I've, blogged about this before and as far as I do think there are some circumstances where it is valid to have exclusions for MFA if you've got other ways of verifying the identity of the device platform and the network and all that stuff in place. Wouldn't recommend doing it for admin accounts ever, but for your standard users, you know, let's uh, break it in gently, you know what I mean? Don't just throw MFA at them and say every time you access a resource you're going to need to MFA. No, you really need to find this balance, uh, especially for your end users, between between productivity and security. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to bother them with uh, MFA prompts and they don't know where they're responding to and they just prompt yes, 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 uh, even when it's phishing, then, then it's not making it uh, more secure. So um, Microsoft is doing quite well in that area because if you leave everything default and you're not too, uh, you, you're not too messy with um, um, the access tokens um, or like uh, the frequency in conditional access, you should only be prompted uh, one time per user uh, per device per password change. So mm. if you're just have it, no, don't change your password because you don't have to, using MFA, you use one device, you sh you're not that prompted that much. It's just that one time when you uh, you take out a new device and then you will want to install Teams, for example, or you want to enroll the device, then you need to do MFA. But other than that, maybe with some high-privileged uh, uh, tasks or uh, some business applications that you run from your bring-your-own device, you need to do a step-up uh, authentication with multi-factor authentication. That's fine, but not 10 times a day. That's yeah. not necessary. <laughs> yep, T totally agree. And one of the one of the other things that you uh, you blogged about uh, was kind of using Power Automate to also police conditional access, managing things like break glass accounts. And I found that quite interesting because I'll, I'll be honest, Power Automate is not something I'm I'm well versed in. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you've kind of designed there? Well. Um... You're seeing a lot of infrastructure as code lately, and um, and there are a lot of companies that want to um, uh, want to make their even their whole Microsoft 365 uh, environment as code. And when you do things with code, you cannot make that much mistakes. So you say, okay, we have this template that we use, 
and um, uh, this template for conditional X, uh, for example. And there is always an exclusion for your break glass accounts. We, we just put that in there. So if you make a new conditional access policy, you don't have to think, okay, I need to exclude this uh, condition, this uh, break glass account because it's, it's already in there. But there are right. also a lot of companies that do them manually. It's just creating uh, manual conditional access policies from scratch. And they often forget to exclude this uh, uh, break glass accounts. You get all these warnings uh, nowadays. Uh, uh, watch out, you're enabling MFA for all cloud users. That means you, it's also included you and your global admin accounts and your break glass accounts. But still, uh, there are a lot of uh, incorrect configuration of conditional access. And that made me think, um, what if I make a script because I use Power Automate that go by all the conditional explosion, just checking, like, is is there an exclusion for this this group? Mm -hmm. Yes, thumbs up. If not, you get, you will want to be alerted because you probably made a mistake. And um, um, I I'm not good at PowerShell, so I needed to make a script, and then I ended up with Power Automate, which is so easy to use, mm -hmm. uh, together with the graph graph API. Uh, that I ended up with uh, tons of other scenarios that I fixed just using Power Automate or Logic Apps and the Graph API. So it's it's amazing. It's uh, it's really easy, and even I can do it. So everybody can do it. <laughs> wow. Excellent. So I guess you know if someone is looking at getting started with Power Automate and also the Microsoft Graph API, how do you how do you start looking into that? Because if I'm just a normal IT administrator and I'm used to working within the Azure AD portal and things like that it's not so obvious where should I start if I want to start automating this kind of thing? Well, uh, start small. You can start within your um, your own personal uh, uh, Office 365 account, for example, by uh, just automating some daily stuff. Like, um, okay, every time I get an, a, uh, an email message with an attachment, I want to store that in my OneDrive folder, for example. Hmm. So you get used to how this Power Platform, this if this, then that statement hmm. work. Uh, and then you can take it to a next level when you understand that by doing stuff against the Azure AD uh, port, for example. So you can say, okay, let's try to pull out all of my licenses out of my tenants to see what's, what information I can grab from that. And I struggled with the fact that it's all JSON and you need to understand how JSON is pulled together and what you can do it. You, you need to parse it, for example, and to do something with it. But once you get that, you, there's a whole world open for you because when you you get the concept you can you can do that for other things as well so uh just learn the basic and there is again ton of stuff out there youtube videos blog posts uh you can talk to me about it i can learn <laughs> you I can, I can get you started it's just out there and uh, uh just start uh, mm. small and then extend it to uh to what you mm. need in your because you can fix quite some day-to-day -day challenges with power automate these days you can automate stuff really easy without making complex PowerShell scripts, for example, because I'm not really good at PowerShell. I'm, I'm really honest. Also to my customers, I say, okay, if you want a PowerShell uh, specialist, just hire someone else because I'm not good at PowerShell. <laughs> I mean, because Power Automate and things like that, they're described as being low code and mm -hmm. you've said that you're not good at PowerShell. Do you find that although these are quote unquote low code solutions, has it made you better at understanding coding or programming in any capacity like that? Maybe the programming parts by thinking more logically, um, but I'm no better at coding. <laughs> <laughs> the I thing I really like about, sorry, Jan. 
I sometimes peek at the code, like you can peek in what's happening in the background, but then I switch back to my GUI and then to make building blocks. So uh, no, I'm mm. not better at, uh, at coding. Uh, oh, I was just going to say the thing I really like about Power Ultimate, I've used it a bit, is uh, there are so many great templates already there mm. from Microsoft that you can that you can leverage if you're starting to, to play with it. Look at the templates. There's a ton of them there that for, for all sorts of services within M365, things within Teams, within SharePoint, within OneDrive, within Exchange Online, um, so many use cases. I was playing about with SharePoint syntax, forms processing. I did a talk on that, and um, that leverages Power Automate. So there's so so much um, cross sort of population of, of technologies goes on with that sort of thing. The Graph API, on the other hand, that's, not something that I, I hear. We hear about the Graph API a lot at the moment. It's a very, very topical subject. I know very little about it than, than it exists and people love it. Um, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Um, <laughs> if, what's your thoughts on that? Have, have you found the, the Graph API easy to get into and understand? And what, what are its real sort of uses? Yeah, I... Um... It, it came at the same time as when I looked into Power Automate because Power mm. Automate has these default connectors that you can use with uh, OneDrive, for example, and Excel. Um, but then I um, I needed to fix something in uh, Azure AD and I had to go uh, by using the API. So it forced me to, to go in there. But um, if you want to start with uh, the, the Graph API, just go to this website, aka.ms slash GE. It's a really short URL. It's easy to remember. And mm -hmm. GE stands for Graph Explorer. And Graph Explorer mm -hmm. is a great tool to get you started. There is sample codes that you can run uh, by simply uh, putting the queries out there. So get users, get licenses, get a membership, group memberships, and it will help you understand how this thing is working. And from that, mm -hmm. you can build it up and use it together with Power Automate because um, I also made some custom connectors for the Power Platform based on the uh, the Graph API, and it, I needed to do that, and I needed to learn it. It cost me quite some weeks, even holidays and weekends and evenings to study. But eventually, when you get the concept, it's the sky is the limit. You can do you can automate any, anything uh, with that. So it's it's worth to uh, just uh, uh, get the concept hmm. and then make, be creative. Oh, fantastic. I will definitely go and take a look at that website. Thank you. Because I've I found the whole idea of the Graph API to be quite scary. I'm like, oh, I'm not sure I uh, can get my head around that. Much, much it's in the way that you... It, yeah, yeah, exactly. But people are... It's one of these things that seems to be increasingly inevitable. Like GitHub. GitHub's another one where all the time, GitHub all over the place. And at some point, I'm going to have to get my head around it. But... Uh, but yeah. <laughs> well, you, you mentioned, Rue mentioned that the Microsoft documentation is now on GitHub. And I didn't mm. know that you can just contribute by doing pull requests. So you need to, you, you need to be half of a developer of some sort uh, to understand mm. how do I do this pull request? But sometimes when I read the documentation and I see uh, that something can be optimized or is, or is outdated, for example, when I have the time, I try to do that to make a pull request. And you really have to understand how GitHub works. And that took me quite some time as well. Um, mm. But as, uh, when you talk about Power Automate, Graph API, GitHub, th those are the tools that most mostly developers use. So exactly. there's, there's really this gray area. What am I? Am I <laughs> a mm. Microsoft 65 consultant or partly a developer? It's, it's really close to each other. There are lots of blurred lines, aren't there, all across M365. You find the same sort of thing in Teams as well, because if you're a Teams expert, you're 
always going to get asked questions about voice and telephony as well, because that's yeah. part of it. So um, wherever you put yourself in M365 as your expertise, Miss, Mr. or Mrs. Customer is, is going to come to you and, uh, and, and say, uh, well, can you talk about this and that as well? And you had the example, well, I'm not a PowerShell expert. You'll need to find someone else. But you're always going to get asked those questions. And um, it's a good way to learn, isn't it? You, you go off and research these things and, uh, and learn more about these other associated technologies within, within the platform, which is how I love learning anyway. Yeah, well, um, everything between the, the, the lines of M365 is basically my comfort zone. Uh, something mm. that I can quickly understand, even if, if I haven't, haven't worked with it for months or years, uh, you mm. can be uh, up to date really, really quick. So if, if it's something uh, that you've done in the past, you can pick it up and can say, okay, I've, done, I've, I've not done it for a, a, a couple of months, but I can, I can help you with this. Uh, same for teams. Um, mm. I also try to step out of the comfort zone a little bit and also mm. For example, do this MX uh, MS uh, 700 uh, exam just to see where I'm at, and uh, I'm I try not to study for it. Just do the exam and then see mm. how I'm doing, and maybe with a retake, I, I need to do some uh, to, to mm. do some studying. Um, but that's how I keep myself a little bit up to date. Uh, so I'm not an expert in Teams, but if you ask me the question, you can get a, a good answer within a uh, within a day. Oh, fantastic. That's a really good way of learning, actually, as well. I mean, everyone's got different ways of learning, but that's a really effective way because if you take a Microsoft certification and you pass it first time, yeah, great. Sometimes you'll pass them first time and you didn't expect to. But if you don't, if you fail, and there's nothing wrong with that. We've all failed them. You get this lovely score report to see where you need to improve on, and you can take that away and then study those areas and, and go back and uh, give it give it that second try when you're ready. So love that. Absolutely love that. But um, I'm sure I know somebody who might have contributed to a book on M700, actually, but can't, can't for the life of me think who that was. No, Great job on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I didn't need it. I'm sorry. Well, that's good. No, I'm happy you didn't need it. I'm happy. Um... <laughs> but I think but, I can uh... learn a thing or two uh, from your book. Uh, I, 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 it's so, it's, it, it changes so quick. Uh, what oh, you know yeah. today is outdated tomorrow. Uh, so you, you need to stay current in all the topics, and that's hard. So you can pass mm -hmm. for MS 700, uh, and then after a year, good thing that Microsoft now lets you uh, do a retake from that exam. Reassess your skills, yes. That reminds yeah. me, I've got about four of those to do. You've just depressed <laughs> me greatly now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've seen oh. that they recently changed how long it's valid for, didn't they? It's only valid for one year now rather than two. So mm. you'll be having to do those four exams every, every year, year now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There's mixed mixed feelings about that. Mixed feelings about that. But yeah, I think it two is years changing was fair, so but... fast that it makes sense. You know. Yeah. You, I get, yeah. There was that argument. Yeah, because I, I mean, so. I think about the SC two hundred exam, which is about the Defender stacks on Azure and three six five. They look radically different than they did this time last year. And then the year before that, and then the year before that, almost unrecognizable, you know. So it makes yeah. sense that they're speeding up the cadence. Uh, just again, shift gears a little bit here. So, one final blog piece that I've seen you writing about, Jan, and I'd like to kind of quiz you on is you've described, uh, if it's not done right, you've described BYOD as bring your own disaster, which is a term I love, and I will probably be stealing it. 
what are your kind of thoughts on how folks should deal with BYOD scenarios? Because in my experience anyway, it's a bit messy within the Microsoft 365 world because it's different for every single operating system. Uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, my clients struggle with that as well. And they say, okay, <clears throat> Microsoft is preaching, hey, you can work uh, everywhere on every device at any time. And they misunderstand this, this concept with every device. It doesn't mean that you can take any device and just, yeah, okay, it works. It's, you can really product, be productive. But if, if you need to secure this, uh, bring your own device scenarios, that is really hard because you have to worry about, okay, um, how do I prevent from data leakage to these devices? I don't want to, uh, that they store uh, my documents on these devices. And um, I, I figured, um, I, I thought about it, I, I studied it, I looked, I looked into it. How could you make this as user-friendly as possible and still be able to let everybody uh, bring their private, uh, bring your own devices to work and say, okay, I want to work with Microsoft 365. It's hard. Um, first of all, you need, you definitely need an E5 license for that to make that secure. You need uh, like Microsoft Cloud App Security or uh, uh, endpoint protection, something in that area. I think BYOD is not the right solution for Microsoft 365 nowadays, unless you're working with Windows Virtual Desktop. You can say, okay, it's just a bridge, a stepping stone to go to this uh, secure environment. But to have actually data on these devices, that's not something that you should want. Um, other than that, you should think about the concept of choose your own device, uh, which meant, okay, I have a couple of devices that you can choose. Do you want a MacBook? Okay, you want a Windows machine? Uh, you want some? Uh, you want an Android device or an iPhone? But it is a managed device. It is, it's managed with, for example, Intune. <clears throat> and then you can protect your data much easier because if, if you come with your laptop and say, okay, I want to work on this, you're rather, um, um, there are a lot of gaps that you can do because it wouldn't be secure. Yes, you can work in the browser, but you can cannot download anything to your to your desktop apps, for example. Or you have to step into information protection of Windows information protection, which I don't have good experience with uh, nowadays. Mm. So it's it's tough. So you can you can make it secure, but you have to force your use to to work with browsers, only with browsers. So you. You, uh, you route them through MCAS and you throw on a DLP in there and uh, you make sure that they cannot upload any uh, malware and then you're fine. But you definitely need an E5 license for that. So that's that's expensive. So this whole bring your own device, it sounds more easy, uh, more difficult than it's, uh, it's more difficult than it sounds in the first place. And um, not at the first place because you think, hey, it's, it's working. I can... Uh, let us people, especially now when everybody needs to uh, suddenly needs to uh, to work on their own device because they're at home. Uh, yeah, it works. But if you want to also want to make it this uh, secure, it can be really a disaster for your uh, IT environment. Yeah, I'm. I kind of have the same conclusions as you. Insofar as I think to really go for BYOD, you do need that E5 license because it all revolves around MCAS. It's the way to do it. Is get folks to use the web browser. On mobile phones, the MAM policies seem to do a reasonable enough job yep. uh, if you can force it through conditional access. But I have to admit, and it's kind of, 
it's kind of surprising given that Microsoft is historically the desktop uh, company that BYOD on the desktop is it's kind of a it's kind of a disaster to, mm. to steal your phrase insofar as you have Windows information protection. Mm-hmm. It seems to be kind of abandonware now. They don't really put any investment in it because they've got endpoint DLP. But endpoint DLP is limited to devices that are fully enrolled in something like MDM. Uh, yeah, WIP is a it is sometimes touted as the uh, mobile application management system for Windows, Windows. 10, but yeah, there's, yeah. there's so many backdoors around it, and there's so many ways that you can just completely agree. ignore it. <laughs> and that's the essence of my, my blog post. It's it's mainly around this Windows and Mac devices, because I, I also believe that mobile application management is a great tool to protect your data on mobile devices like Android yes. or iOS, but the, mm. the pain is in these mobile, in these devices like Windows or macOS. Too much gaps, and it's 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 yeah. You just need uh, E5 and everything through MCAS to make it a little uh, more secure. But again, then productivity stands in the way. So finding this balance, it's hard. Yeah. It is hard. I I love MCAS to bits, and and Rui, you've got a a talk that you've done a couple of times about using MCAS to to protect teams, which I I, I love so much. And you made the point that. Um, uh, that's to force um, users to use the web client, which is great, but also um, contrary to what Microsoft want you to, to do in terms of the best experience, because the mm-hmm. Teams, the, the full Teams app has, it's just better in a lot of ways, um, yeah. many, many ways. So, that, so there's that disconnect there as well. I, I think hopefully in time, they'll, they'll, they'll make the connection that where MCAS can, can go that stage further and uh, and work with the full fat client app. It, it really needs awesome. to. It, it really would. Yeah, it, and really it, would. it is a strange one because I, you know, I don't understand the technical reasons why not. But when I tell folks that it only works with the web version of Teams, mm. on the one hand, the web version of Teams, it's not awful. Is it there if you're full feature party? Not quite. Mm. For example, it can't do background blur, and that seems to be a deal breaker for for mm. a lot of people. Uh, but then just, I also don't, it, you know, folk get confused because they're like, well, when I open Teams as the full client app on Windows, that's mm-hmm. basically a web browser. You've taken mm-hmm. Teams on the web and you've just put a little container around it. Yeah. Uh, we'll see, hopefully. Uh, you know, I don't know if the Teams user voice has anything on that. Actually, I'll need to go away after this show and check that. If it Good isn't point, actually, if, yeah. if it does, then Microsoft won't be checking it though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, because user voice is getting, uh, yeah, they're going yeah, a different way. Demolished. Yeah. yeah. I saw something on a docs.com article just yesterday, I think it was. There was one of those little purple things saying, we're not doing user voice, but watch this space. There's something coming here soon. So there's, there's something in the works for sure. Um, but um, the team's uh, engineering team are, are fantastic people, though. I mean, uh, Jan, you as an MVP, we'll, we'll, we'll have some uh, some roads to them as well. And they, they, they work tirelessly to make teams the best product it can possibly be. And, and they're working with Azure AD. And, and I know they'll get there. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, absolutely yeah. fantastic. Well, I don't think you could ever fault the 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 effort they put into Teams. I mean, my God, the mm. the, the pace of development of it is bonkers. You know, you just can't oh, keep up with it. So much, so much. And I was on the Microsoft Tech Community forums just a couple of days ago. I was just answering a few posts, and um, it's you're on there. You're trying to help people solve some problems, and um, sometimes there isn't an answer. Um, and 
and you know what users can be like sometimes. They're not happy with that, and well, this is no good. And I, I was chatting to somebody in the uh, in the team's team saying it. It's so frustrating when you see the effort that goes in, the, the the sheer work that has gone into making teams this phenomenon that it is, and then so often the focus is on what it can't do as opposed to what it can. It's it's really really quite upsetting sometimes. But people are people. You, you're not going to please all the people all the time, and you give them yeah. so much, they're always going to want more. That's human nature. But yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. but speaking of community, I mean, um, Jan, you've been in the community for for, for quite some time now, and you've um, deservedly being awarded as a Microsoft MVP and massive congratulations on that. It's uh, fully deserved. How has your community journey been um, in, the, in the last year or so? How, how have you found being a part of that? What's it meant to you and, uh, and becoming an MVP? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, my MVP journey is really short, uh, as I would say, because I was I was doing something for the community, but more locally on mm. uh, on LinkedIn, but uh, mostly in Dutch. So <laughs> only Dutch people could read it. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe they're gonna throw it through Google Translate, but I don't think people did that. Um, <laughs> so when I started uh, to uh, to uh, make my blog post in English, then. I got a whole broader uh, public out there and they start reading it and start liking it. So uh, that that gives you motivation to go on and to expand more. So um, I started my, my website in uh, early 2019 and I suddenly mm. had plenty of time because of COVID. Mm. Um, so I could make uh, quite some blogs then. Uh, I should do more blogs right now because I'm a little more into speaking right now. So I'm a little behind on on, on, on blogging, but uh, I will. I have seen some quite interesting things developing around conditional access. So I will. Uh, I will go into there. But yeah, um, I, I agree with you uh, on the community uh, helping each other. Um, the the time and effort that I put into it, I get as I get back only more than twice the stuff mm -hmm. that I learned from, for example, from you guys. Uh, so it's it's giving and receiving. It's, yeah. it, it works both ends. Oh, it certainly does. That's so true. I, I've learned from both of you guys and and will continue to do so and everyone in that great community so if you if you're watching this and you, you you're thinking about getting involved i can only encourage you to do so you'll you'll not regret it it's very welcoming and uh, there's so many great people in there doing all sorts of different things doing blogging doing speaking you don't have to pick one you can do where you feel most comfortable speaking is not for everyone uh, a, a year after doing it i'm still not hugely sure it's for me actually but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i keep on doing it but um but yeah, there is there's something for everyone, and everyone's just absolutely brilliant. And you never know where where community can take you, the people you'll meet, the opportunities you'll get to to make a career move or, or do as Jan has done and uh, and branch out on your own, take that leap. Phenomenal the opportunities that you're going to get from that. But um, yeah. love community so much. But uh, I think we've got a much more important question though relating to movies, though, haven't we, Ruth? <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say it. It has to be asked. <laughs> it has to be asked. It's, it's the question that the Microsoft community care about. Yeah, I've seen uh, it, obviously. So, Terminator 1 or Terminator 2? <laughs> oh, oh, You're dear. not going to like this, and the community is not going to like this either. It's Ooh. neither. It's neither Terminator <gasps> 1 or 2. I'm not a oh, movies wow. guy. I'm okay. So, wow. I'm so sorry. That's oh, wow. fine. That's, oh, that's absolutely fine. fine. That's a good answer. Yeah. That's that is a good answer. 
Yeah. I have a similar answer whenever whenever people talk about gaming. I mean, my, my oldest son is a massive, massive PS5 gaming fan, and many of our colleagues are, are gaming people, Xbox, PS, and I'm just not at all. I just don't care. So I get that. Not everyone's in the movie. We've all got our passions. So good answer. Love that. Yeah, not much so, into television either. It's just the only show that I like that I watch since, since college is Friends. I, oh, I love brilliant! I can Best. I can still watch that. I'm uh, I'm only uh, I I watch it almost every day. Uh, just I'd... just before uh, before yeah. going to bed, just you one can. or two episodes to uh, to close off the day. It's so really? relaxing and and fun and still funny. Even I've I've seen all the episodes like fifteen times or so. It's mm-hmm. still funny, but it's not for everybody. Uh, but <laughs> no, I've true. Never, I mean, I've never I love. It. I I think it's aged really well, in my opinion. Some. Uh, people of a particular generation potentially don't think so. I think there's, there's there's some content in in there that they would argue hasn't aged well, but that that is what it is. I just I love it for what it is. I think it's brilliant. There's a reunion coming up soon as well, isn't there? They're yes. going to be doing a like a, uh, so. I look forward to watching that and such a great show. So rewatchable. You've made me want to go off and watch some episodes myself. <laughs> now. So, so many funny moments. Um, so many quotes like pivot. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant! It's brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Um, fantastic. And so, so what do you like to do then? What What are your passions, your hobbies? If like like people like us tend to be so focused on M three sixty five and so passionate mm-hmm. about it, it kind of is both our hobby and our career. But is there anything else outside of that that you like to do that uh, that, that keeps you happy and uh, you're question. passionate about? Good question. I get a question a lot by by saying, "Hey, Jan, you do you have free time? Do you do other <laughs> things than just this community stuff?" And yes, I do. Of course, I have uh, I have my family. I have a, a lovely wife and three kids. So I, I love spending time with uh, with my family, uh, just going out for long walks or uh, on a holiday on on trips. Awesome. And next to that, I also make music. So I'm a guitarist. Uh, oh. So I put a lot of time cool. in music as well. Uh, so those those are my main uh, main hobbies. Uh, oh, next, next to work and community. Love That's it. What, cool. what sort of music is your favorite? What's what's? I'm I'm kind of old stuff like Beatles, uh, mm. uh, uh, like that stuff. Um, but I also I can appreciate like uh, like Passenger and all these, uh, these yeah. modern artists as well. So I'm I'm, I'm easy on uh, my. T- I'm not too picky on my choice. Whatever. Whatever is good on the on the guitar, I can and if I can play it, then I then I enjoy it. So um, just whatever you enjoy, yeah, I, I love that, and I love how you mentioned the Beatles and the Beatles. Um, if you, I'm a big fan of sort of Apple, ironically, <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as a tech company, and uh, the the Steve Jobs story, and I've watched the Steve Jobs movies a couple of times, and uh, Steve Jobs and the other co-founder of Apple, Steve Wozniak, one was very. One was very much for the Beatles, and the other was very much for Bob Dylan. And um, I think Jobs was the Dylan man. So, so yeah, it's it, it's what you enjoy, isn't it? And um, love that, absolutely love that. Best best guitarist in your opinion, sort of rock guitarist, who who instantly springs to mind? Well, would be Slash, I think. Uh, Slash, what a great answer! <laughs> Fantastic. I have no idea. Uh, yeah. Eric, Clapton, Eric Clapton is also a great uh, guitarist and a singer, and he. Is his writing is phenomenal? So um, yeah, maybe maybe Eric Clapton is my answer. Awesome, Thanks. awesome. What what would you say, Rue? Any thoughts on that? I'm 
biased, I would say the best guitarist isn't even a guitarist. It's got to be Lemmy, doesn't it? Even though it's the bass guitar, he played it like a guitar. Nah, yeah, it's got, got to be. I couldn't pin it down to one. I would struggle with that. It's difficult, I, isn't it? There's so many. I mean, I mean yeah. you got Hendrix, haven't you? But uh, mm. and so many different, yeah. just so many different genres within rock guitarists yeah. themselves. Because when you compare someone like Hendrix to someone like Brian May, who are both geniuses, but they're totally different. So. But, uh, it, but I'm not an expert on, on music. Yeah, it depends on the <laughs> style as well, doesn't it? You know, and mm. it's so, and there's so many out there that you just don't know. There's a difference between skill and what you just like, and I find yeah. it kind of hard to say this is the best person. You can have a favourite, but are they the best? That's where I struggle. Uh, so I, I guess you know, if we, if, I guess probably start wrapping things up now because don't want to take away too much of your time. Uh, yeah, and uh, I guess you know you, you mentioned that you're into the speaking track. Uh, you got any uh, anything coming up that you want to let folks know about? Yeah, well, um, funny that you ask. Next week, uh, I'm speaking at the uh, Dutch uh, user group, which is now called the uh, uh, Workplace Ninjas NL, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm really honored to, to go there on stage because I'm a I'm a I'm a loyal visitor myself uh, on this uh, community. But now I can actually tell my own story, and it's uh, it's all about uh, Azure MFA. Uh, right. Like I said, the the devil is in the details. So um, mm. if you want to learn all about MFA, all the the little tricks and tri and and tips from the field, uh, you should definitely check it out. It's uh, it's next next week on uh, Tuesday. Awesome. And did you say this year you're actually going to be on stage? Is this an in-person event you're going no, to? No, it's not. It's a virtual ah, stage. Right. Okay, I'm with I should, you. I'm I should with you. do the air quotes. <laughs> yeah, and well, if you can give us the, the link to that. Do we have that already, Rue? Can we share that in the show? Yeah, we, we can, can absolutely share that. Go on, go and find that if they want to go and see what Jan's talking about. And uh, is that going to be in Dutch or, or English? No, it's, in, it's in English. It's yeah, in English, the, awesome. The in-person uh, in events were always in Dutch, mm -hmm. but since we're virtual now, uh, it's going to be in English or something very similar to that. We call it Dunglish. <laughs> Dunglish. <laughs> I love that. Cool. Good stuff. But yeah, we'll absolutely link to that in the show notes. And then what we'll also do is we'll also uh, link to your social media profiles and things like that. Do you want to give a little shout out to your, where can folks find you on Twitter, LinkedIn, things like that? Well, the best uh, thing is to go to my website, janbakker.tech, and you can also find there my uh, my LinkedIn and Twitter, uh, uh, my text. So um, it should be easy to find me. Awesome. Amazing. Absolutely. Yep, good stuff. Okay, well, I guess we'll wrap it up for another episode of Cloud Conversations. Uh, it was really great to have you here, Jan. That was a very good conversation. And, uh, you know, keep Thank us posted. You. If, you, if you've ever got anything interesting you want to talk about, then it'd be great to have you back on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And have a great day. Amazing. See you all next time. Thanks all for joining and catch you down the road. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.